RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill, and it is official. It's April, April the 3rd, the first Wednesday of the month. That means for many of us, it's springtime. I know in Atlanta, we got up to about 80 degrees on Saturday, but this past Sunday, it was about 45 degrees. So I guess we're still getting that, uh, what do you call it, that uh, Indian summer or that bipolar winter, whichever you want to call it. But uh, I guess it's officially spring. So a lot going on in the world, as you know. Uh, the Mueller report, no collusion. Uh, after two years of a lot of money on that investigation, came back to say no collusion between President Trump and the White House. Chicago, there was history made in Chicago on yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, mayor-elect, she uh, won the runoff election for mayor. Uh, she was also in the runnings with another female, but Lori Lightfoot has made history because she's the first black female mayor of Chicago, and she's also the first openly gay uh, mayor, or openly gay, yeah, I guess you can say openly gay mayor of the city of Chicago or any major city that I can think of. Uh, so, of course, one of her top uh, things that she discussed on the cam- campaign trail and she talked about as well during her speech last night was the fact that she wanted to do police reform and it all sparked because of the shooting of Laquan McDonald and you know I'll I'll be curious to to see how this goes of course you know which way I swing on the political uh, spectrum if you will Um, yeah I I personally think um, that I don't see eye to eye with a lot of people on the left when it comes to issues involving police, I guess simply because I've done that job. But, uh, you know, we've heard that term uh, before, police reform, especially in Chicago. Uh, But, you know, I always say it goes back to crime reform as well, because, you know, the murder rate in Chicago is still ridiculous. Uh, People are still getting shot and killed every day, and you don't hear hashtags about them. You don't see protests about them, you know, like the little one-year-old that was shot and killed Uh, during a gang uh, uh, shooting in the city of Chicago. So, uh, yeah, I I do want to say congratulations to Lori Lightfoot. Again, she made history. Uh, You know, that's unprecedented. You know, times are changing for sure. Uh, But I hope that she actually works with her police department and not against them. Uh, You know, because if what she says is true and she wants to reestablish those relationships between the community and police, then she needs to work with her police department and take advice from her top officials in that police department. And again, we can talk police reform, but there's still another part to that as well, because at the end of the day, police are going to have to do their job. And, you know, if there's a bad guy out doing a crime, then it's the police job to make that arrest to protect and serve. And of course, speaking of gang, uh, shootings uh you know i'm sure you've heard by now 
Uh, the rapper by the name of uh, Nipsey Hussle was shot and killed in Los Angeles this past Sunday at about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, initially when it happened, you know, conspiracy uh, theorists were coming out of the woodwork and saying it was, uh, you know, because I guess Nipsey Hussle, who I had never heard of until the shooting, I'll be honest with you, I guess I'm a little old, and uh, today's hip-hop is not what I'm used to from 1995-96 uh, when I could actually understand what people were saying. But at any rate, uh, you know, people were saying hey, it, it was a, a conspiracy because, you know, Nipsey Hussle uh, said he was going to try to do a documentary on this uh, Dr. Sibby guy who who is now deceased, but I, I guess he's this famous African doctor who claims to have cured AIDS and cancer and a bunch of that stuff. And people were saying, oh, Lisa Left Eye from TLC, she had died right after she had started speaking about it. Well, A, she was in a car accident uh, and it was captured on uh, somebody's video that was in the car. Uh, so that definitely wasn't a conspiracy. And, you know, a little background about Nipsey Hussle, you know, granted, he was doing great things in the city of Los Angeles now and you know, trying to do a lot for the, the inner cities and, you know, starting businesses, which is great. Uh, but sometimes you just can't run from your past. And uh, he was a member of the, I think they're called the 60 Street Crips or 60 Street Bloods. I'm not quite sure. Uh, so apparently the, the shooter who shot him, whose name is Eric Holder, of course, not the Eric Holder that <laughs> used to be in office under Obama, but uh, Eric Holder was the uh, the shooter and uh, it was because I guess there was some black, bad blood beef they were both in the same gang and Nipsey at one point earlier that day they'd got into it he'd called him a snitch and he came back and he shot him and the video was out of course TMC put it out the video which was captured on a nearby surveillance camera and you know, he shot him multiple times and he actually stood over him and uh continued to shoot then kicked him in the head before he ran off but he was arrested the next day of course the community came together and uh you know they they weren't having that because it was someone that uh you know people looked up to in the community so you know it's, it's tragic you know at the end of the day you, you try to do good and sometimes again you just can't outrun your past so uh, i want to move on to minneapolis and the case of former officer Mohammed Noor. Now, I don't know if you remember Mohammed. He was, uh, again, a Minneapolis police officer back in July of 2017 when he actually shot and killed uh, Justine Damon. She was an Australian uh, citizen, I believe, living here in America. Uh, she had called 911 to report what she thought was a sexual assault going on in the alley behind her house. Uh, she approached the uh, the police car that Nor and his partner were in, and then she was shot, I believe, in the stomach or in the chest, and she died on the scene. So he's set to go to trial. Uh, the jury selection for that has begun. He's charged with uh, second-degree murder, involuntary manslaughter, and... Uh, something else. I can't think of it offhand. But jury selection started this week. It started yesterday, I believe. And 
already there's uh, a lot going on with that. Uh, six jurors were excused today because they said, uh, based on the questionnaires, uh, the defense attorney did not want them on the jury. Of course, usually when you're on jury duty, you have to fill out a questionnaire. And a lot of the jurors already have said they're biased uh, towards him. One juror said point blank that uh, he's biased towards Somalians and uh, that uh, Nord never should have had the, the job because there were there were a lot of people saying that, you know, he got the job because he was Somalian and, you know, it was one of those token cases uh, and he wasn't properly trained. He didn't have the right education or, or training and all that stuff. Uh, so jury selection is going on. Um, in that trial, but you know, there's several things I want to point out here. A, uh, this goes to what I what I've been saying uh, from the beginning of time since I've been doing this show. You know, the mainstream media will tell you that police shootings only happen to certain people of certain demographic, and they only happen by certain people of a certain demographic, uh, our race, if you will. Uh, but this is a prime example that that is not true because. Uh, you take out the Australian piece of it, you take out the Somalian piece of it, you have a black police officer who shot a white unarmed individual. And was it racial? Nobody's even making that argument here because A, it doesn't fit that agenda, and B, uh, when you look at the circumstances, you, you really can't say it was anything racial because she called 911. She happened to meet the police officers in the alley and uh, unfortunately she was shot. She was 40 years old at the time. Now, uh, the judge is not looking too uh, popular right now because she's making a lot of decisions that people aren't pleased with. One of the decisions, of course, the media that want to cover this trial, we're told they won't get to see a lot of the, the graphic evidence that will be presented in the case as far as like the actual uh, body cam video after she was shot and the uh, crime scene photos and the autopsy reports um, that the jury will get to see, but they will be on a screen pointed away from the media and the public. Only the jury will get to see that. Uh, and a- another interesting note, uh, I guess during his, his training, Norris training, Mohammed Norris training, his um, field training officers had wrote that, hey, he may not be fit for duty, uh, but he, Somehow he ended up being fit for duty. Uh, so the judge is saying she won't allow that. I'll get to why she won't allow that. And um, the fact that he hasn't, well, she won't allow that. She also won't allow uh, any documents, um, you know, that talk about his psychological exam, which basically said he would have problems dealing with people uh, in the public. Uh, and that is something that, you know, as a police officer, when you're going through the psychological exam, they ask you a bunch of questions to see how you will respond. Uh, and they ask you a bunch of different ways. So apparently during his psychological exam, the results came back to say, hey, he would have something. Uh, he would be have issues rather dealing with the public. So uh, she's not allowing that either uh, for the jury to hear as evidence um, well it's out in the internet now it's out in the media but the reason she's not allowing it is because 
She'll allow it if he takes the stand in his own defense. And the other piece that she won't allow as, I guess, uh, evidence, not really evidence. Uh, well, I guess technically it is. Uh, the fact that to this day, you know, two years later, he still hasn't spoken to investigators regarding this shooting. Um, you know, which I find kind of strange, um, you know, simply because, you know, if you're doing, you know, your job by the book and, you know, those split second decisions that we sometimes have to make, if you had to do that, uh, you know, I don't, I personally don't see why you would want to not talk to investigators, but that's what he chose to do. That's his right. So, uh, the judge said that won't be allowed either unless, unless he takes the stand in his own defense. Um, you know, will he, I mean, he's been quiet. He's been quiet for, uh, two years now. So will he take the stand in his own defense? I personally doubt it. What would be the benefit at this point? You know, because the prosecution is just going to come and like hammer him, you know, uh, on everything. And if he testifies in his own defense, those records from his psychological exam, uh, those letters from the field training officers saying he's not fit for duty, all of that will uh, come into question. Now, what's interesting here, and I think this this case definitely not a slam dunk open and shut he shot her she died he was wrong um of course one of the big issues um that that uh the community was upset about was it wasn't caught on body cam and i think i talked about this case when it first happened uh and you know the thing about body cams are dash cam the thing about body cam uh Usually, especially depending on what brand you have on, they don't activate until you actually get in the car or get out of the car, I should say. Uh, you know, some of those you still have to manually turn on when you get out. But for the most part, most departments have the ones that activate once you're outside of the vehicle. Uh, but the shooting actually occurred from inside the vehicle. Moore was the passenger. His partner was the driver. Uh, so I can understand why there wasn't body cam footage of that because they were inside the vehicle and it, you know, the partner or nor really weren't their body cams weren't facing uh, the victim in this case. And as far as the uh, dash cam footage, she approached the patrol car from the driver's side window. The dash cam is actually focused in the front of the vehicle. So there wouldn't be any dash cam footage of that as well. Uh, so, yeah, I understand the argument for the people that don't know how that really works, but I don't really think it'll have any bearing on the outcome of the trial. But here's what I think will have bearing. Yeah, I always use the terms reasonable. Like, what would a reasonable officer believe? What would a reasonable officer believe in those split seconds when making that decision? Um, you know, and the prosecution must prove that Nor acted unreasonable when he shot and killed uh, Damon. You know, uh, of course, his attorneys plan to argue that he used reasonable force and acted in self-defense. Here's what I think it'll come down to, whether he takes a stand or not. I know his partner will definitely take the stand because 
he's almost required to at this point because he actually gave a statement. Uh, I don't know if it was the same day of the shooting or if it was, uh, you know, a few days later. I'm not quite sure. But uh, his partner, who was uh, Officer Matthew Herity, told investigators, you know, they were driving the police SUV when he heard a voice and a thump and caught a glimpse of someone. He doesn't say it was a female blonde. He says he caught a glimpse of someone outside his window. He goes on to say he was startled and thought his life was in danger. Now, this is Nora's partner who's saying he was startled and thought his life was in danger because he's the driver of this police car, this SUV. He hears someone, a thump on his window, and he sees someone out of his peripherals, and he probably puckered up his butt cheeks. So if he thought his life was in danger, he probably said something like, oh, shit, what the fuck, oh, what the hell, or something like that to make his partner, who's on trial right now for her murder, believe that his partner's life was indeed in danger. And what I always say, an officer has an obligation to protect himself and other officers. So if his partner, who he's riding with down this dark alley, is startled by a thump on the window, then chances are Nor was probably responding to his partner's reactions, to his partner's movements, to his partner's body language to say, "Uh uh-oh, there's something going on here and we need to act accordingly. I need to use deadly force because my partner feels like his life's in danger. And who knows what, what his partner did at that point. Who knows if he ducked down or or did something. You know, we don't know, but I think that will be crucial testimony during the trial. I'm going to get back to that. But first, I just spent the last day or two in Cleveland, Ohio. And during my stay there, I, I stayed in this hotel I found on Travelocity. It looked pretty decent. The pictures, you know, they always fool you with the pictures. But, you know, I being a guy that was in the army and had to sleep in the woods. Yeah, I really don't particularly care too much how the room looks. Like I've slept in the woods on in a tent in 45 degree, 45 below weather. But what I do care about is the bed. And I looked at these pictures. I was like, man, this bed looks really great. It looks really soft and comfortable. And I got to tell you, that was like the worst night sleep ever then I started thinking man I need a good night's sleep when I get back to my bed and remember I now have a ghost bed and what separates ghost bed from the others they were founded on the principles of delivering a bigger better and more comfortable mattress at a lower cost ghost bed has three mattresses all designed to help you sleep better and they offer a 101 night hassle free that's right 101 night hassle free return policy they've already got 20,000 positive reviews so go check them out 
They have amazing deals that you can find exclusively right here at this link, www.ghostbed.com backslash the badge. You can also save a couple hundred of dollars on your mattress, which is already lower than if you order a mattress through a mattress shop. So go check them out. Ghostbed.com backslash the badge. Now, so back to Minneapolis. So this thing is so big, but yet so small. And I'll, I'll break that down to you. It's big in the sense that it was an international case because, again, the victim is from Australia. The former police officers, Somalian, who migrated here, I believe, when he was 15. So it got the international feel. It actually made the news in Australia. Of course, your typical police shootings don't make the news. Your police shootings from the U.S. don't make the news in Australia. I assure you, Michael Brown, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, all those cases you never heard of in Australia. But since she was from Australia, it made the news. Since he was from Somalia, it made the news. So it has the international feel. The former chief of police, she actually lost her job because of this um, after this shooting. But here's, you know, I said it's so big but yet so small. It still comes down to the same same principles, the same thing. What I always say, the law of the land. What the officer believed was reasonable. Did the officer act in a way that he thought he had to act in those split seconds? Again, even though I've said it on all these cases we hear in the news and the mainstream media where officers just don't show up because someone's black, well... Mohammed Noor didn't just show up because uh, the victim in this case was white. They received a call from her, 911 call. They're responding down the alley that she gives. So police got a call of service. It's their job to investigate. She comes out, she approaches the car, and that's when things go wrong. So some could argue and say, well, if she was the one that called 911, wouldn't it make sense that she was the person that was tapping on the window? Mm, maybe. In theory, you could argue that. But I could also argue that the officers were going down the dark alley in the middle of the night. And usually if there's someone being sexually assaulted, it could be the bad guy knocking on the window. And I don't even know if it was an actual knock on the window. He says he heard a noise. So that noise, this is what the partner said, Nor's partner. That noise could have been anything. I remember reading one report that there were fireworks going off. And at, uh, uh, at first take, they believed it was gunshots. So if they believed it was gunshots, then it could very well be that, yes, the officer, his partner, Matthew Harity, was startled and that nor based on his partner's reaction thought that there was something awry something going on and he had to fire we can go about it a hundred different ways to say he was wrong he shouldn't have shot through the window and he shouldn't have done this but what did he believe was reasonable at that time now would it have been a different 
situation if if Nor was driving and his partner was in the passenger side? Maybe. But again, maybe Nor, Mohammed Nor would have had the same reaction excuse me, that his partner had when he heard that noise. So I think this trial will come down to this case whenever it goes to trial because apparently they're having a hard time picking a jury. I think this will come down to what that officer believed was reasonable. I assure you his partner's going to take the stand. And then you're going to have police experts come in and they're going to talk about use of force. They're going to talk about an officer's job to protect the life of his partner. They're going to look at the totality of the evidence that they were going down this dark alley after receiving a call of a possible possible sexual assault. They heard this noise. They were startled. They're, they're probably even going to throw in the fact that in recent years, which is true, police have been ambushed on calls for service, fake calls where there really wasn't a crime, but they were just drawn there so they could be ambushed and killed. So all of this is going to come up in trial. Um, I don't know how the jury's going to react because if people are already singing their bias because he's Somalian, uh, you know, I don't know if that is going to weigh good in his in his favor. You know, uh, there may be some jurors that actually may feel that way, but don't say it on the questionnaire. And then when it goes to trial and they go back to deliberate, he's found guilty. And, you know, maybe they listen to the evidence and maybe they don't. Um, but it's not an open and shut. It's big, but it's still little at the same time. It has that international feel, but it all comes down to what I talk about almost on a weekly basis. What was reasonable and maybe five minutes later or five minutes earlier, we wouldn't be here. Like if they responded later or responded earlier while she was still in the house and she actually told the dispatcher, oh, I see the car here. Uh, let the officers know I'm coming out now and I'm wearing uh, whatever she was wearing. Maybe, maybe it'd be different. Um, but yeah, I can't even say how, how I would have reacted driving down a dark alley after getting this call of this sexual assault or whatever it was, and then hearing a noise that some people uh, say they thought it was gunshots, which turns out to be fireworks. I can't say how I would have reacted. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback that. All I can say is whether he's Somalian, whether he's uh, African, whether he's Nigerian, wait, no, that's those guys that attacked Jesse Smollett, um, whether he's whatever. The fact is, uh, on that night back in July of 2017, uh, he wasn't Somalian, he wasn't a uh, black guy, he was a police officer out doing his job. And I assume, because I'm not in his head, I don't know, can't tell you what he's thinking, I assume he acted on what he thought was a threat against either his life or his partner's life. And that's what that trial is going to come down to, uh, you know, again, if he can get a fair jury, a failure, you know, that's yet to be determined. I mean, if, and if he can't, then I think the court system will have to go uh, a different way 
and uh, making that decision. So enough about that. It is time for my 10-7 segment. Uh, Tonight I want to honor Detective Ben Campbell, who was actually killed earlier today, Maine State Police Department. Detective Ben Campbell was struck and killed by a vehicle tire uh, by a vehicle tire while assisting at the scene of a disabled vehicle on I-95 South and Coldbrook Road in Hampton at 7:30 a.m. He came across a vehicle that had slid off the interstate due to the inclement weather and stopped to provide assistance. As he was standing outside of his department vehicle, two wheels of a passing logging truck separated from the vehicle. One of the wheels struck Detective Campbell. Detective Campbell was transported to the Eastern uh, Maine Medical Center where he succumbed to his injuries. Detective, Detective Campbell sorry, had served with the Maine State Police Department for nine years and was assigned to the polygraph unit. He is survived by his wife and six-month-old son. Wow, six-month-old son, 7.30 in the morning, and this guy is really not even on the street, if you will. He's a polygraph examiner. Uh, so just goes to show what I always say. Police are there to protect and serve because he really didn't have to do that. He could have called the mark unit to say, hey, there's a vehicle abandoned, or he could have just kept going. But he was there to serve that citizen, and unfortunately the timing was all wrong, and he was killed for it. So send your thoughts, your prayers to Detective Ben Campbell and to the main state police department i want to thank him for his service his nine years of protecting and serving and if he was willing to stop and do that on the side of the road because of inclement weather when he really didn't have to then i can tell you he was probably one hell of an officer in his day all right i want to thank you for listening i got to get out of here of course i'll see you same time same place next week right here radioinfluence.com good night To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles and DJ Eakin, news and political pundits like Law and Crime Network's Vincent Hill, and independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crushell. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, No matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.